I heard somebody say, don't judge them. Why don't you think back of what the Lord has done for you? Amen. We thank God. You know, I, you know, I, I want to I wanna say something here. Thank you, Cavers Brothers, for praising God. Thank you for teaching us. It's all right <laughs> to praise his name. <laughs> you know, someone came to me the other day and, you know, <laughs> it reminded me, Pastor Moore, that, you know, we're not worshiping like an Adventist church. And all I would just, I would just suggest to you that you go back and read the history books and discover that your girl, Sister Ellen White, and her husband and a group of them prayer warriors got arrested on one late midnight because they were disturbing the peace. I'm not making this up. One recollection says that Ellen White, when she stood up to praise God, especially when she heard her favorite preacher, J.N. Loughborough, <laughs> said that he would preach about the second coming. An old girl just couldn't keep her seat. He said that James, James White would come and say, sit down, Ellen. You know, we don't do that in here. And they said that Loughborough would get in second gear, and next thing you know, old Sister White would be up on her feet again. And the story says, James says, then woman, I told you, and you need to calm down. And then they say the third time, old Sister White got up and just shouted, glory, 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 glory. <laughs> and I also recall in the book of First Samuel when David danced before the Lord, one such sister named Michal, his wife, said, look at the king. He done danced out his clothes. And the Bible says that the Lord closed up her womb because of her comments. It's all right to praise his name. Especially when you consider the year that we had. I'd be right there with them boys if I knew how to do it. Come on in here. Just... I ain't going to lie to you. I've just been Adventist too long, but if I, if I could. <laughs> Somebody said I can learn. No, I, I mean, I, I, listen, I'm an athlete, so, you know, when, when I praise him, I go in the, I, I mean, I do like, mm, mm, mm. So that's, that's, what I, that's my thing. I jump up. Last night we were, uh, last night we were having family worship, and uh, we turned on uh, Jonathan Nelson, and we were singing Expect the Great, and then me and my kids got up and just began to dance before the Lord. Huh? We were sweaty, but we felt good, and then after we were done, we were about to have family worship, and I said, all right, it's time to have worship, and my son Camden said, we already worshiped. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so at the end of the day, we thank God for his blessings. They are many. Amen.
Would you turn your attention to Genesis? I want to just share a brief word with you. Then we have a baby dedication and then we will uh, dismiss. As you know, tonight at six o'clock, what time did I say, everybody? Six o'clock, we're having our New Year's Eve celebration service, which we will have baptism. We have five precious souls that will be baptized tonight. Amen. Also uh, on tonight, we are going to be celebrating uh, and, and embarking on this spiritual journey called 40 for Fruit. Uh, there are those of you who want to be a part of our 40-day, and I call it a spiritual challenge. You can call it a fast. But we're going 40 days to get closer to the Holy Spirit for one purpose, that we might be productive. That we might be productive. Last night, my wife and I were just be already beginning to talk about areas we wanted to be productive in. Anybody out there want to bear fruit in 2012? And so we're going to begin the year with the Holy Spirit, with seeking the face of God and fasting and prayer and study of his word. We have booklets that you will need to participate in that fast. If you come this evening, we'll have those for you. We also have guidebooks on the fast. You can go to our website, uh, gvillesda.org, and download that. But all the instructions about our fast, which begins on, tom- on tomorrow, uh, will, be, will be available to you this evening as we try to shake things up in our spiritual lives and become everything that God wants us to be. Amen? There are many of us who know about the Holy Spirit, but we don't have any fruit in our lives. The evidence that you have the Holy Spirit is that you bear fruit. Come on in here. And one of them was joy. (laughs) Genesis 18 and verse 16 Actually, we'll go to Genesis 18 and verse 20, Genesis 18 and verse 20. Just a few passages of scripture I want to read to you. And I just want to talk for just a brief moment on he grabbed me. He grabbed me. My brother and I were talking about the word of God this week and he began to speak this thing. And I said, man, I need to share this just as a brief word for our people this coming Sabbath, and here it is. The Bible says in verse 20, then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. The outcry, this is the Lord talking, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. Now, this is amazing. God says he needs to come down and get clarity to see if it's really as wicked as the prayers of the saints that are crying out for the city are saying it is. How many know he already knew it was wicked? He just was giving them more time. Verse 22, the men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What, what if there, and Abraham gets a little bold now. He said, let me just go there. He said, what if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Now, most scholars suggest that there were thousands in Sodom. Even Abraham realized it was wicked because he says, well, can we get 50 out of there? He says, Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? 
Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, God. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Verse 27, then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold. <laughs> Anybody ever got that like that in your prayer life with God? You're just talking to him and he gives you a little space. And you say, well, since you let me go here, let me go here now. He says, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. What if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five people? God says, if I find 45 there, I will not destroy it. Verse 29, once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Now, Abraham's in a rhythm now. Verse 30, then he says, may the Lord not be angry, but, but, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. How many know we would have killed that? We would have destroyed that place for 30. Come on in here, somebody. You got thousands of folk in there. <laughs> Bible says in verse 31, Abraham said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord. I was doing it by fives. Let me go by tens now. What if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I won't destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me, uh, let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Verse 33, when the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. The word of God here is showing a dialogue between Abraham and God. <laughs> this is amazing. God is, 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 is in a bargaining discussion with a human being. <laughs> God has already, it, is, it seems, that the context seems to suggest Abraham would not have said to God, Look, man, don't, would you, would, you, would you destroy the city if there are 50 people there? The assumption was the outcry is so bad. The place has gotten so bad that it's only right that God destroyed the city. In other words, in Abraham's mind, he had assumed already that this thing was going down. But he thought in his mind, maybe because of my relationship with him, he will afford me a little leadway. I got family inside him. Maybe, maybe I'll start with 50 to see if I can cover the family. The word of God says that God, uh, now, 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 I'm sorry, I, I get wrapped up in this kind of stuff, Pastor Moore, but God starts having, having a, 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 he starts having a compromise discussion with somebody that he created. And God is going back and forth with, with Abraham. Abraham said, what about 50? He, he says, I'll get with you. He said, well, what about 45? He said, I'll get with you. What about, what about 30? I, I'll get with you. And then what about 20? And I'll get, and back and forth they go. And it's becoming apparent that the lower he's going down on the number scale, the least likely it is that there is somebody in Sodom and Gomorrah that is actually righteous. Can I say to you today, I believe 2011 on planet Earth was Sodom and Gomorrah. 
I'm not talking about out in the world. I'm not talking about out in Afghanistan or, or like somebody said to me the other day, I was in, uh, I got racially profiled. I was in a restaurant with my wife and I uh, had my skull cap on and a, uh, a bomber jacket and some, some, some Timberlands on. And I guess they assumed that I wasn't who I was. And, and this uh, gentleman who was not of our persuasion, uh, we began to talk and he asked me, he says, All right, now, are you from 55th and Kinsman? Is that the only place we live? Is that where I'm from? It's because of how I look, huh? But come on, let me make a point about this right now. Brothers and sisters, in a spiritual sense, God is right in that he judges and tells us that all of us, how many did I say everybody? All of us have been in a Sodom and Gomorrah place in 2011. Now, most of us, when we consider Sodom and Gomorrah, we only think of the deviant sexual practices that happened there, the homosexuality and, 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 and the rape and violence. But Sodom and Gomorrah really is an ancient example of what the United States of America, including the church, looks like now. You know what the problem with Sodom and Gomorrah was? Sodom and Gomorrah had become self-sufficient and had forgotten about God. And let me tell you, this is what happens when you forget about God. You become Sodom and Gomorrah. When you get to a place, and there were educated folk there. There were folk who had means there. There were individuals who had nice houses and lands. For, for crying out loud, Lot lived in Sodom. The Bible says at first he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And the next thing we see, we see Lot living in Sodom. This is what happens when you lose your sense of desperation for God. When you get, I don't care if you're in church or out, when you get to a place where you think that you've got it made, you end up in Sodom. And you become desensitized toward evil. Things on the television that, 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 that should discuss the senses now are, don't bother you anymore. The way that you have been mistreating a person all year long, you've gotten so comfortable with your attitude and so comfortable with the position that you have taken that it doesn't even bother you anymore. You are now at a place where things that used to be sinful, things that used to be unrighteous, things that used, that we used to call sin, we have now gotten to a place where we're comfortable with sin. And, I, and this is the word the Lord told me. He says, in 2011, you lived in Sodom. And he says, I asked if there were 50 that could be found in Glenville. I asked if there were 20 that could be found in Glenville that were worthy to escape my wrath and my punishment. And the Lord is saying to us today that he did not destroy us simply because there were righteous here. The reason why the Lord has not come through the clouds of heaven with terrible majesty and great glory and with judgment and justice and given each one of us that which we deserve, which is damnation and hell's fire. The reason why he has not done that is because they are righteous. The reason why God has not done that is because he is merciful you made it out of 2011 not because you were smarter or wiser or more faithful or more understanding or had your stuff together come on in here the only reason why we stand in this place today and are able to give glory to God is because he was merciful can I show you look at verse 9 chapter 19 I'm done go to the next chapter chapter 19 after Abraham said, man, let me see if, let's work this thing out. Let's see if we got what we got here. What we got? The Bible says two angels arrived at Sodom. In other words, 
They showed up. Hear me now. They sh- hear, hear me. Hear me. They showed up to destroy Sodom even after Abraham and God discussed, if I could find 10 there, I would not destroy it. So if the angels showed up to destroy Sodom, then we must assume that there were no righteous people in Sodom. How come Jesus hadn't come yet? Not because, listen, he should come. As bad as this world is, it's awful now. I mean, you look at all the family issues that we have, the deep-seated generational curses, the pain and hurt that people have been through. I mean, you got to say to yourself, the, the fact, watch this, y'all, the fact that God, in the worst time in Earth's history, the last days, is going to be able to pull off the most miraculous salvation is a miracle. I mean, if I were God, I would have done this thing in the beginning of time where people were not as wicked. But we're talking, hear me now, we're talking about a time, hear me now, where spiritual things are no longer important to us. We're religious. We're not spiritual. We know how to check the list. We're not spiritual. Spiritual people are full of the Holy Ghost. Spiritual people understand that it's about love and joy and self-control and about people and about ministry, not about your life. I'm telling you right now, God has every right to destroy planet Earth right now. Some of us should have died in 2011. Some of us should have been killed by the brightness of his glory. Some of us, God should have checked out. I remember last year we preached, just before the new year, we preached Luke 13 where the Bible says there was a tree that did not bear fruit. And God says, he says, cut it down. And then Jesus stepped in and said, give it what? One more year. Well, we had that year. And what, we're talking personal now. What have we done with the year of mercy God gave us? How many have come to him because of our influence? How many relationships have been mended because we got sick and tired of being involved in mess? God, oh, thank you, Jesus. Somebody ought to praise him in here. Somebody ought to praise him this year that the Lord walks you gently through the storms of life throughout 12 months, 365 days of lukewarmness. 365 days of Laodicea. 365 days of broken commitments and unfaith. The only thing consistent in our lives is inconsistencies. And the only thing that's been faithful is our unfaithfulness. And every step of the way, the Lord has walked with us as if we had been faithful. Now watch this. (laughs) Go to verse 12 of Genesis 19. This is our last scripture. The two men said to Lot, now understand, at this point now, it's so bad. Can we agree on something real quick? That this world is wicked. Now, everybody ain't going to agree with me on this. Would you also agree that the wickedness of this world is like a gravity and it pulls you into it? Let me go on over here. I see some folks shaking their heads over here. I can't get nobody to shake their head over there. Would you admit with me that the pull of the world is strong? I've been trying to get Glenville and all those therein to admit this all year. Will you admit, brothers and sisters, that you ain't always holy? <laughs> Come on in here, somebody. 
All, all this transparency and stuff that I'm doing up front is to get us to do one thing. Be honest. Can you confess today that your sins are many? That the right of God to deal with you, and let's just chill generally because a lot of times when we look at sin, we only look at deeds. Let's look at the investment that God made in us and the output and the result of the investment. Come on in here, somebody. The Bible says when we look at the talents that when he comes back, he's going to ask us, I invested A, B, and C with you. What have you done with it? I don't know about you, but let's just, I'm not trying to beat up, beat up on us. We don't shout in a minute, but we've got to pause and reflect and recognize that we have not kept our end of the bargain. We have not made it because we're faithful. We have not made it because we're good. We're not made it because we're good Adventists. You don't live in that nice house and drive that nice car and have that nice job because you're somebody special. It's only because of his mercy. Watch this. So after Lot almost gives up his daughters to be raped, the angel had to tell him, no, you ain't going to go there. The man of God is in Sodom, but he's not just in Sodom. Sodom is in him. Watch this, verse 12. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here, sons-in-laws, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you, get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to be married, his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place. Because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. And that's what has happened in our generation. Our kids ain't listening to us. The Lord is coming soon. We got to get ready. And they're laughing at us. You know why? You know why they laughed at Lot? Because Lot, <laughs> Lot talked Adventism. Lot talked the second coming. Lot taught Sabbath school. Lot came to all the events. Lot walked with his Bible in his hand. Lot dressed up for church. Lot was in the choir. But guess what? Lot did not have a personal, powerful connection with God to the extent that it was more than stuff that came out of his mouth that his kids were actually impressed that he was living in such a way that when he said something, he meant it. Lot's like, we got to get out of here. And you got you to gotta consider that you got angels in your house. Amen? There are angels in the house. The angels have showed up and said, we about to, we about to tear this place up. The angels are standing there. Lot is saying, listen to the angels. They about to tear this place up. And his kids are so desensitized to the word of God and to the moving of the spirit of God that they will not even believe what he's saying. And there's an angel sitting in their house. There's no zeal in Zion. People are tired of words. Where's your passion for God? Your actions speak louder than words. Where is the fruit of the spirit? Where is the fruit? Where's the productivity? Where's the kindness? Where is the joy? Where's this? I'm not hearing what you got to say. Show me some power.
Bible says they thought he was joking. And here it is. This is my part where I'm going to get happy. When the coming of the dawn, verse 15, the angels urged Lot saying, hurry. <laughs> Lord have mercy. How many are thankful that he sent angels to warn you? He could have blown that joint up without telling them. <laughs> and he would have been well within his right. Come on in here, somebody. But he sent the angels to the house. Come on in here. And take your wife and your two daughters who were here. Or you will be swept away when the city is punished. Now watch this. I told you that there was nobody righteous in Sodom, including Lot. If you read Hebrews, Hebrews actually omits him in the hall of faith. I mean, Abraham's in there, Isaac, Jacob. I mean, Lot should have fell right up in that thing. But, please, come on, stay. I'm done, I promise. But, Lot got out. Come on in here, somebody. How did he get out? How did you make it out of 11? Oh, forget 11. How did you make it out of last week? How did you get out of January or February or I don't know what month you went through hell, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. How did you get out? Lot, your name was on the roll at church. Lot, you were an elder. Lot, you preached. Lot, you gave Bible studies. But Lot, you weren't good enough to get out of Sodom. How did he get out? How did we get out of the mess we were in? How did we get to where we are right now? Don't you forget where your blessings come from. And the word of God says in verse 16, when he hesitated. I got any hesitators in here today? Come on in here. It's not always I got two hands. How many know it's not easy to trust the Lord? Even when stuff is right in your face, how many know it's not easy to say yes to God? It's hard to step into the unknown when you've been so used to sitting inside them. And God says, I got something better for you. And the Bible says that with the angel standing there, with God saying, I'm going to destroy the city. The Bible says that Lot hesitated. Get on up, uh, pastor. I mean, elder. We can go with that too, pastor. Uh, we can work with that. Doc, I'm the angel. And I'm telling you to come follow me. Get out of the city. I want you to demonstrate the hesitation of Lot. And then I'm going to show you. You ready for this? No, are you ready? We're going to still be boys after this, right? Okay. Now act, act it out, man. I mean, go there. The angel is like, get out and I'm telling you get out the word of God says 
that Lot did what? Now, come on now. You've got an angel standing in front of you, leading you in the right direction. Can I, hold on now. This is to the extent of God has put experiences in your life, have caused things to happen to show you, you need to come out of this situation. You need to change your life. You need to change your attitude. You need to change your disposition. You need to stop judging. Stop being angry. Stop being bitter. Stop being hateful. God has put something physically in your face. I don't know about you, but I've got more than impressions this year. I've got demonstrations from God saying to me, this is the way. Walk ye in it. The angel's like, come on. Now, Lot, you hesitate and go the other way. The Bible says, then the angel. Did I read that right? The Bible says, when he hesitated, the men grasped his hand. Lot got out. The Hebrew word says that they grabbed Lot and they had to pull Lot. They had to pull Lot out of Sodom. Sodom would not have got, I'm sorry, Lot would not have left if God had not pulled him out. He would have stayed his butt in Sodom and died there. But how many know today that the only reason why you're in this place is not because you didn't hesitate, but you're here today because the Lord reached down from heaven. He sent his angel of mercy and he grabbed you. He pulled you out. He lifted you up. He put your feet on a sprock, not because you were worthy, but because he was worthy. And that's why we praise him. That's why we honor him. That's why we bless his name. This ain't no emotional thing. I'm telling you what I know. He picked me up and he turned me around and he he pulled me out. Look at your neighbor and say, he grabbed me. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. It's not, the Bible says it's not because of righteousness that I had done. It is because of his mercies that we are not consumed. They are new every morning. He grabs you. Well, pastor, you know, I just, I've just learned how to make right decisions. See, all these years that I've lived, Pastor, I've learned how to do the right thing. And, you know, I look at other people's kids and see what other people have done, and I shake my head at them. And I say to them, you know, if they had only learned what I learned. But I got news for you today. The reason I'm still married is because he grabbed me and my wife. The reason my children are still alive. It's because he grabbed them from the predator and he grabbed them from the molester and he grabbed them from, hallelujah, he grabbed me. 
Only reason I had the, the, the mind to say I'm sorry to folk that I had done wrong is because he grabbed me. <sighs> Only reason that I praise him when I come in here on Sabbath morning is not because I'm exuberant. It's because he grabs me. He stands me up. He opens my mouth. He lifts my hands and he puts a praise in my belly. He grabbed me. For those of us who think this is some kind of show, this is theatrics, you better recognize what he's done in your life. It's not because of righteousness that we have done. <laughs> but we stand here today. And we got to give him the glory. Let him get the glory today. You're not that smart. You're not that wise. This is scripture. Not many of you are wise. Not many of you were of noble birth. <laughs> but God chose the foolish things. He grabbed them. Michelle, just play a little bit. I, you know, I, I wish, I can't wait to get to heaven. Can I tell you why? Now, we got these new flat screen te televisions, and they even got 3D that you can see at home. But when I get to heaven, Pastor, I want, I've read in, you know, some of the writings, the spirit of prophecy where it says that God is going to be able to take us down a panoramic view. You're talking about 3D? He's going to be able to walk us back through time. Talking about a time machine? And show us stuff that we couldn't see because we had human sight. Do you realize there is an invisible war going on right now? And there is stuff that we cannot see that he is protecting us from. Some of you were about to make a business deal with somebody and for whatever the reason, God blocked it and you were mad at God and you didn't really realize that God had blocked that because you were about to lose everything. Some of you were in relationships with folk. You're on your way down the aisle and God shows you their ugliness at the right time so that you could bail out. He kept us. Come on, somebody. Oh, come on in here. Has he kept anybody? He grabbed me. I wish I could tell you everybody made it out. And this is my appeal. Lot's wife. One of the worst things you can do is spurn mercy. When God does something merciful in your life, to forget about it. And act like it didn't happen. Lot's wife. I see God, the angel, has Lot's hand. Lot has his wife's hand. His wife has their daughter's hands. And they are pulling them out. His wife lets go. She pauses. Lot hesitated. But his wife went beyond that. 
I want to tell you, if Lot hasn't hesitated, his wife wouldn't have. And she turned around with tears in her eyes. DJ, because she felt like she was losing everything. And God says, she got too much Sodom in her. Even if I took her to heaven, she wouldn't enjoy it because she loves Sodom too much. The Bible says at that very moment, she turned into a pillar of salt. As a witness to all of us, when he pulls you out of something, Hebrews, let me tell you what Hebrews says. Hebrews says, watch this. Now, when I read this, it blew my mind. Uh, theologically, we didn't really get much of this, Pastor. But it's, Hebrews says, I believe it's in chapter 6. It says, it's impossible once you have tasted of the Holy Spirit to turn back. Now, people are like, is that once saved, always saved? Understand. God's stuff is so good. That if you have really fallen in love with Jesus and tasted the Holy Spirit, you ain't going back. So that, that leads me to ask the question. If you've turned back to anything this year, it's because you never really tasted the Holy Ghost. Because when you taste him and you compare to the counterfeit, you realize... This is 10 times better than what I'm getting right here. Well, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm getting after. How many want more of his spirit? I want you to stand with me right now. If you want more of his spirit, you want his spirit. You want his spirit. <laughs> so you can recognize those moments when he pulls you out of stuff.